Well, good morning. Welcome to our podcast uh, a little bit late in the week uh, to start delving into some of what we shared um, on Sunday. And we started uh, a new series uh, looking at the Gospel of John, um, something that was your idea a number of months ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a long time ago now. Um, And we've just started to look through and we start with this first um, kind of bit of the Gospel of John and uh, I think a lot of it's called a prologue so it's kind of mm. distilled everything of the gospel into one or oh, not into one little passage that the NIV puts it in um, and there has been some debate over whether the author stole this um, uh, and it was a, another bit of literature that kind of the author adapted you know to speak about Jesus uh, I think it's there's there's not a huge amount in that but there's something no. to say that it's very distinct piece of literature you know there's a yeah, I think if you've if you've read it and gone through it, there is some amazing imagery there of uh, of kind of who Jesus is. Uh, certainly speaking into the kind of the Greek uh, understanding of uh, of life, and then also the Jewish understanding as well. So mm. it's an amazing little sort of um, way of distilling down you know the gospel into a few passages. Um, and it was really interesting to kind of delve into that um, a little bit on Sunday. And we've got this amazing idea of uh, in the beginning was the word that before anything else happened, uh, that Jesus found himself. Jesus was there, you know, with God, uh, not just um, God by himself and that Jesus was some sort of second uh, thing along the way. Mm. Um, I mean, we had a couple of little reflections and points to kind of pick out um, as we sort of went through it. Um, and this idea, um, we did it in our studies uh, about the idea that God isn't kind of present in, well, not necessarily. If you look at the Old Testament understanding, God was in the tabernacle, God was in the temple. And mm. now we've got actually John saying God isn't there. He's in this person um, who's standing in front of them, that God isn't you know in those buildings anymore. But we... St- first start off very much with this um quite curious if you can elaborate any more on the the geonomai because the whole passage starts on yeah about presence yeah it is presence um although in a minute i think we'll talk about how how um perhaps it's not as present as we understand it but does there, have you got anything else to say well, about so, the geonomai? Yeah, so that's this word that we translate made or became or came. Um, and it's in there, uh, I think it's about 14 times or so. Mm. Um, and the NIV, and it's hard in the NIV because you don't, if you're not careful, you read it and you don't see that it's the same word because we translate it differently. Mm. Um, but the whole passage hinges on this one word, uh, this idea that Jesus or, or kind of God was made, God made us. Um, uh, and then Jesus came and then was we kind of were made in the same image uh, and then you know we become something through what Jesus did as well so there's an amazing kind of you know movement and that's why I think Mm. the passage is so um, special Mm. because it it is a really clever bit of literature um, that really uh, kind of develops that theme around that one word you know and um, yeah, we have this kind of understanding of who Jesus is uh, and then an understanding of who we are within that as well. Um, so it is something that I think you can miss. And I, also that's quite sad that we can miss it. It's sad that we've lost that in our translation, um, which kind of reminds you of how important it is to delve a bit deeper 
Because there are things that we miss because we don't understand the original language. Yeah, and the more you the more you kind of wrestle with scripture, the more you realise how much you don't <laughs> understand. Yeah. Um, because yeah, we make so many assumptions because of our English language mm. over what's going on and uh, these are precious, you know, bits of gospel that someone has slaved over, you yeah. know, to put these words together. This isn't a haphazard picture of Jesus' life and walk on earth. This is a very deliberate, very specific, um, poignant way of describing to the audience what the author wanted to describe about Jesus um, and put his very you know fingerprint on. And I think one of the things that stuck with me when I was doing just the difference between John and Matthew, and it kind of when I did the introduction a couple of weeks ago as well. You know, Matthew starts with the genealogy; it's just people, mm. you know, all the way back. Yeah, and and John starts with the universe and that. You know, this kind of an amazing picture of all that God and Jesus together in this universe and created and creating. And it's quite an amazing image, you know, compared to Matthew's. And there was someone begat who... And Although begat I do who. have to say, I've got um, a copy of the um, New Testament read by Johnny Cash. And if you want to hear the, the genealogy of Matthew... <laughs> Um, read in an alternative way. You listen to Johnny Cash reading it, and right, that yeah. that makes for good bedtime listening. Um, but this <laughs> is this is probably well one of I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite verse in scripture, but it's certainly one of my favorite passages of scripture. Mm. So even if you lose some of what the original Greek meant to say, yeah, it it holds that poetry. It holds that life, and the sense is still there beautifully and. Uh, also think you've got to hope that that's by the Holy Spirit that our own, you know, we might not all be academics and we might have lost so. that sense of, of what was meant to the original listeners, but the Holy Spirit renews it for us mm. um, throughout the years so that even if our own understanding is dulled, yeah. I don't think we'll necessarily lose everything through that. No, and I think, you know, we've talked before about the power of scripture is beyond just the you know, wrestling with Greek translation, that's not really the point, you know, the, but, you know, if we've lost that, you know, ability mm. to look back at that, we lose something of it. But, you know, scripture, you know, the spirit works through scripture today, like the spirit worked 2000 years ago. Um, and and works through academics who have spent their life, you know, translating these works for yeah, us as well. Yeah, I've got books where people are just wrestling over one word. Yeah. <laughs> what does that one word mean? Because some of these words, we build a massive theology on our understanding of a word, what, yeah. you know, that we think Jesus said. And, you know, so it's a significant, you know, uh, way of us wrestling with this um, bit of um, scripture that we have. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, I didn't really, uh, I didn't talk much about John the Baptist on Sunday because really the next passage yeah. is all about John the Baptist. Um, so we kind of, I didn't really address that um, too much, but we have this image of John um, kind of pointing the way mm. forward about, you know, and so what's the context? So John's there um, with the next bit, he's all the Levites are there and the religious leaders are there. And John's saying, no, no, you've, in your very presence, there is this person, you know, he's, a, you mm. know, I think, you know, we kind of assume he's there, you know, they don't know him, they can't see him, but in your very presence, in this crowd, the very one who started everything mm. and 
who holds together everything that uh, their identity and their faith was built on and he's here uh, and they're so obsessed with the institution so obsessed yeah. with the old rules that they can't hear john and and ultimately they can't hear jesus either mm. so we have this you know kind of understanding that yeah and a little bit kind of where i started from that you know everyone's looking for god in the building uh, and looking for him and on sunday i talked about you know god's gone rogue god's not mm. where he should be because the whole structure and system was built around god being where he should be yeah uh, and john the baptist comes along and says no no he's not there anymore um and john the author as timothy john's going on you know he's mm. trying to paint this picture of you know it isn't that things have changed this is was the beginning this is where god was and this is the story of where god is now mm. and you you did mention if you said god god has gone rogue you also said god had left the building which instantly made me think of elvis so and that Elvis was one of our home group has, questions as well. I'm not right, sure I okay. give it as, as much context in the home group because I, you know, we talked about it. Then I wrote the studies. Yeah, <laughs> and there was, the, you know, that very famous line: "Elvis has left the building." And um, you know, you kind of you you know what that means. You kind mm. of you've you've read about it a number. You've you know you've heard it end of TV shows things like that. But um, it was used. I just looked into this a little bit. Specifically at the end of concerts, people wouldn't leave um, because they wanted an encore and right. he'd already given several encores and nobody would disperse and sometimes there'd be another band coming to play but everybody would just still keep shouting <laughs> for Elvis so they had to make a big deal that Elvis has left the building he has been escorted out of the building <laughs> and he is now in his car and he ain't coming um, back and he ain't coming back so that people would stop lingering mm, and okay. staying for somebody who wasn't he wasn't there anymore yeah, but they okay. they wouldn't accept that and and perhaps either you know move on to the next band or, or or leave or themselves leave the building and it just made me think about how much um our perhaps perhaps we could have that kind of same obsession that we want things to keep going or we want we want god to be in the building mm. that um and this year our world's been turned upside down and yeah. I think many of us are desperate to get back in the building. Many of us are maybe not so desperate to get back in the building, but that's by the by really because God's never been in the building. Mm. God is not in in the the building of Great Shelford Free Church. That's irrelevant. Um and I think Well it has significance in yeah, I think that so I yeah, I, I think I kind of agree that God isn't, you know, we have a, we don't have a high church view, mm. um, but there is, you know, there's presence in the community of the of building, the people, but, but not, not the in the building itself. So he is where the people dwell. He is where the people mm. belong, um, where they gather, whether they yeah. congregate or whether, where they are individually in their own homes and mm. their own communities. God is there too. And that's not to, um I think we're really blessed. I think we've got mm. a really lovely building yeah. and um it's open to the community and I think we share it quite well. So I've got nothing against how we use our building. Um but just as uh, more as a metaphor to say that um mm. it's not just about when we we lock ourselves away inside. It's um it's where we are but God's already there. Mm. He's not only there when we go out of the building 
he's already out of the building. I think that's what I'm more trying yeah, to say. Yeah, no, I understand that. And yeah. that was the Celtic understanding, which I know I keep coming back to because it means a lot to me. Um, but I think particularly this is the John understanding mm. is that it's not that we're keeping God in the building or that he's just ours. He's already out there in the mm. world. And actually, really, if we want to be part of God's world, we need to see him and join him, not just in church on a Sunday morning. Well, I think there's a... Um, so I, I've gone into some churches and you're in awe of the church. You know, you kind mm. of go there and it feels like something significant. Yeah. And I think we kind of associate that that significance is God. You yeah. know? So I go into that building and I'm in awe and that's where I think God is. And I think, you know, if we're not careful, it certainly wasn't, you know, in a lot of ways Jesus is, you know, saying the temple is going to go. You know, it ain't yeah. going to be there anymore. And you have the, oh, sorry. Uh, um, and then we have the um, early church just meeting in houses and, you know, rocking up together. Um, and then you have Rome coming in and, and Christianity gets kind of absorbed into Roman, you know, kind of uh, society and, ex- and kind of, you know, empire. And you have this building back up of temples again. It's this, you know, yeah. we build these magnificent buildings. And I think, I think if we're not careful, we do associate this magnificent building with something of God's presence. And that's, yeah, they can be very spiritual places. They mm. can be very awe-inspiring places. But that's not that God is more present there mm. than he is with us in the kitchen or at work. You know, it is just a building that might have an association with something because that's what, you know, they look quite grand. Um, and we are fortunate that, you know, a lot of Baptist churches are built like Victorian warehouses, you know, so we don't have that same, yeah. um, kind of awe and uh, and kind of um, as, as we come in. But the if we need to get it right that they're significant because it's where the community is and that's the... But I think it's not even just the building and we can we can do that with buildings and throughout church history, the buildings have been where apparently God... <coughs> oh, sorry, I just came my throat there, where God exists. But I think perhaps more as, um, as modern Christians, we think God is where people are gathered, where Christians are gathered. And he is, mm. absolutely he is. But I do think he's elsewhere too. Yeah. I think he's in a lot of the places where we think he isn't. Yeah. And actually he is gathered. He's gathered in the doorways mm. of the people sleeping rough. He's mm. gathered... He is there in the hospitals mm. and and that's not just where believers are. I believe he loves his world and mm. he is always there whether people recognize him or not. And so when we leave our churches or when we leave our home groups or we leave our families, we're still, God is still in those yeah. places. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, referencing the Celtic church as well they had a real clear understanding that yeah. God's in the waves and the nature yeah uh, and he's in a, the newborn baby and yeah. he's in the old lady gasping her last breath yeah. and that isn't always just on whether or not she's said her prayers beforehand yeah. um he's he's there he you know like a mother looks at her baby mm. at her child he looks at us whether we recognize him or not and yeah. that's the only God that I can really believe in and i firmly believe this is the god that god is that that john is describing here yeah yeah and i think that kind of description you know of of who 
you know, and the very presence, you know, and we talked about Shekinah glory on, um, <laughs> on Sunday. Mm. Um, and this idea that was a, you know, kind of a, uh, an understanding of where God's presence dwelt. And, you know, John, the author's kind of saying, you oh, it's not there. It's not in that building. It's hearing the footsteps. Although, but I have to say, because you can say um, that John is saying God has left the temple or that Elvis has left the building. But that's only looking at it from our point of view, because yeah. I think the real truth of the matter it is, isn't that, and you see this through the Old Testament, God was never restricted to the temple. Not really. Mm. He was there always with his people. They restricted him to the temple. They yeah. said, this is the place he is. And we do un- you know, understand there's some manifestation of his power in the ark. And mm. so there's, there's some holiness going on there. Mm, yeah. But that didn't mean that God was trapped in there. He wasn't locked away. Um, he was never restricted to the temple. He was always no. everywhere. That's just how people experienced And that's a really him. good, yeah, and, and I think, I think you're right. As humans, we shoved him in the box. Yeah. You know, and and that was a, a way that Israel could, in some ways, you know, kind of control and, you know, and certainly the religious leaders and, the, you know, it's interesting, the Levites and the priests, you know, they're the same ones who were very invested in keeping God locked in the building. Yeah. Um, because if you do that, you control the system uh, and then you control the people and you control, you know, all those things. So there's that sense of, yeah, I think that's a really interesting you know kind of reasoning when you go out when you go out and about you say you go you go to to car coffee Hmm. and i hope that i will experience the presence of god in car coffee but also i go to costa coffee in town Hmm. so is this a godless place where god does not exist Hmm. no i would say god is there too and how how can i experience Hmm. god how can others experience god how can we maybe as believers bring a revelation that God is there to other people. Mm. Maybe that's more we're supposed to be lights. We're bringing mm. a torch to show that God is there in that place, not to to bring him there. It's not that we're bringing his light there. We're just shining a light on mm. the fact that he is there. He is out there. He mm. is not just in the building. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really useful way of, uh, of kind of understanding it. And on to know, you know, I kind of, there's a couple of things that we were, so I, I talked about introduction to stories and mm. you know how John you know really does link this passage to the Genesis account yeah. and you know it's blatantly obvious that's what the author's trying to do he's trying to say that beginning is this beginning it's you know overarching um overarching um and kind of you know I used a couple of examples from Shakespeare but I think there's probably better ones that say that by expressing that you know by saying that thing it's linking it to you know, a bigger understanding. Well, I did think there is no way you can say long time ago in a galaxy far, far away (laughs) and not have everybody pretty much who has been alive in the last 50 years to not know the reference to that, you know, the the understanding. Obviously, it's Star Wars if you haven't somehow (laughs) been conscious. Um, And... To, to, to feel that, to hear something that, and that Star Wars, the start of that is parodied so many times. Yeah. And obviously it's always got that rolling, rolling yellow text. text that goes I think like, I've read a number so, of times because as the kids haven't been able to read, I've kind of read it out. Absolutely. Uh, the films and then together. I've watched Simpsons episodes that have had, that have used <laughs> that text to, and straight away, you know, oh, mm. that's Star Wars. Yeah. Obviously it's Star Wars. So I'm getting, you know, 
that that's the context I'm coming into and I think that's what John was doing mm. there but I hadn't picked that up actually I don't know how I hadn't picked it up but I hadn't really thought about it before mm. that that in the beginning is exactly go right back to Genesis 1 and it's in the beginning and it's yeah. a clever kind of way of connecting things together by mimicking the language you mm. know, and uh, and it's what an amazing way to start the book, just like if you see that in a galaxy far, far away, your mind goes to that world and you, and you suddenly see, you know, the spaceships and the um, and the droids and the lightsabers and all that world mm. comes to life. Uh, and then if you're trying to connect in with that, it's really helpful, isn't it? Because you're saying these words and you're connecting in with a whole bank of knowledge yeah. that, you know, I think most of, most people would you know, even know, if you've never watched the movie, yeah, even if you, you would get you would, that, you'd understand who Darth Vader was, and, and you instantly get t- transported to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think John's doing that here, and you know, the readers are instantly transported back because the yeah, the Genesis account was the story. It was the big story that yeah. was passed around. It was the big, you know, grand narrative and campfire story. You know, let's tell it again. Let's remind ourselves where it all began, where everything started, um, where our nation came from, where, mm. you know, everything began for us. Um, so instantly transporting everyone back to that and saying, ah, OK, but it's not the same. There's a, you know, mm. there's another part to that story or there's a bigger part to that story. Mm. Um, and it's a really, you know, I think it's a, a clever way of kind of understanding um, and then the other thing, you know, we, um, we've just been watching Batman. Um, did, did you watch the first one with us? You watched the second one with the boys yeah. and me. Um, but Batman Begins and then the next one is Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight, the next one, I think it's going to be The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, they, they kind of get more and more They're dark. Very dark. <laughs> They're, They're very dark. They're very, very dark. Um, you know, and this image of, of Gotham City kind of clouded, you know, in mm. something that doesn't feel kind of, you know, it feels negative. Uh, and then this you know, superhero figure that, you know, is very obvious. Well, it's not. I mean, Batman's an unusual one because there's conflict within him. It's not Superman. Superman, you know, is, you know, is programmed to always be good. Batman, there's more of a kind of, yeah, not quite good. There's a tortured soul there. Yeah, there is, you know, but there's this attempt to be, bring about justice in an unjust world. Um. And that, you know, there's still this light that burns in that story. Mm. Uh, and there's other, st- I mean, there's, you know, most nearly, nearly every amazing story from Lord of the Rings to Harry Potter to mm. others are this battle between dark and light, good and bad. Yeah. Um, and that the light keeps burning and someone keeps that light burning along the way. Um, you know, and I- it's never, it's never just a superhero, though. Mm. Like the superhero cannot survive without people who are willing to work yeah and have belief and faith in them yeah absolutely and you know who who want to want change who who want good to be in the world yeah yeah very much so and this idea you know that john i think picks up a lot this idea that there is light and good in this world um and you know jesus is that light and good and it's it's in the big story not just in the hollywood movie story it's in you know, this world that we live. And I think the challenge that we have is we can't always see that light and that good. Certainly if we're going through challenges and difficult times, it's hard to always see where that light and that goodness comes from. But I think I think when we try, I think we can see 
you know, the, mm. the blessing and the light, you know, around us. And this idea that, you know, he pulls in this image of us being children again, you know, children of God, you know, we're all called and can be adopted into the family, you know, and this idea that, that that calling to be a child of God, the bar's really low, you know, all can come, you know, all can, you know, come to God. Um, but, um, but yeah. And then, yeah, we all carry this childlike uh, understanding or ability to connect with God um, as our father, um, even if that's a, a complicated um, kind of human understanding of, uh, of parenthood and childhood. Um, and there's this adoption, you know, we, we come and like I said, the bar's really low. It's, you know, all can come. And John's really inclusive um, in that, so that we can all come to God. Um, and in a culture and a society where there was lots of barriers you were locked into a certain way of uh of being in a certain kind of culture and a certain job title or a named you know your name sometimes defined um who you were um john and jesus when jesus comes along and says no all can come and all can approach well that's been our uh, a little attempt to reflect and think a little bit deeper um or a little bit more on what was shared on sunday i hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you find yourself now i pray that you would know something uh, of god's love and his ever presence with you whether you are in the countryside at home at work wherever you find ourselves we can carry um that love and that peace and that grace with us god bless you this day and we look forward to connecting again in the future